we are called above all things, um, yeah, to love. Love is the meaning of our lives. It's the meaning of our existence. It's at the heart of what it means to be a human being. It's the key to you and to me, to our personalities, to our destiny. Love is at the center of everything and permeates everything. It's the goal of everything. Because we come from a God who is love itself, and he has made us in his image, meaning again, we have been made to love and to be loved. So there's something wrong in the world because we don't always do that. Amen? Amen. So there's been an interruption in the flow of love. See, the plan of God from all time was that he would totally, at all times, pour himself out to us. And we would receive him completely and respond with just such great joy and love back to him. And then as our glance fell upon the people around us, just enraptured with this love from God, we would just have all this love to pour out to them and to to pour upon them. And and then they would love us. And we'd be like, oh, wow, God, you're so great, you know? And then just this, this flow of love and gratitude, of, of giving and receiving. That's what we were made for. Doesn't that sound nice? And then something terrible happened. And Adam and Eve, they, they distrusted the love of God. And so they kind of shut down with him. Uh, they didn't know, though, that that was the font of everything. Everything came from God. And all of the love that they had for one another, it had its origin in God. And so... Once that broke down, well, they had very little love for one another. So much so that they had to hide from each other because they knew like, oh, this person doesn't really, really love me anymore. They want to use me. See, when we don't have the love of God flowing into us, our hearts say, I don't have enough love. I need, I need more. I need something. And then we start to try to take from people around us and we start to use people around us. Things broke down. And then we started living in this fear of like, I don't know if I'm going to get loved. So we got more, way more concerned about getting loved than about giving love. And if you have a whole group of people that are all very focused on getting love from the other person, well, gosh, that doesn't work very well. If you have a couple that says to one another, sitting on the opposite sides of the room, I'll love you as soon as you start loving me, well, nobody's ever going to love anybody. Yeah? So the great cry of Jesus' heart in the midst of that is to begin again this cycle of love. And he knows for that to happen, he has to pour out an ocean, a flood of love to get it to begin. He takes that upon himself. He knows that he has to make that happen. That's really important because if I think that I have to make it happen on my own, well, gosh, I'm going to be very tired. Frankly, too, that sometimes I read this reading in that way. I read it as like, Ugh, it's just like I have to try a lot harder. Here's the commandments. You've got to love the Lord your God. I was like, okay, I'll try. Wait, 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 wait. With all your heart. Okay, yeah. And with all your soul. Shoot, okay, yeah. And all, with all your mind. I don't even know what that means. But okay, yeah. And there's another commandment. You're like, no. And you have to go love your neighbor. And you have to love yourself. It's like, gosh, that's a lot. That's a lot of loving. And again, sometimes I approach this with this feeling of like, I, I just, this makes me tired. This is making me tired. Jesus doesn't want to make us tired. No, he wants to invite us into something. Jesus never commands us to do something that he's not willing to help us with. Anytime God commands us to do something, he also provides everything we could possibly need to accomplish that thing. 
It would be very cruel for him to command something that's impossible for you and for me. In some ways, he does. His commandments are impossible, at least for us on our own. But he's not asking us to do it alone. He wants to do it with us. Even asking us, saying like, you must love the Lord your God above all things with all your your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He's not just like saying like, you need to be a slave and just slave away all day long, every day for me and do everything. No, what he's saying is like, hey, what if we just totally loved each other? Right? God's not, this is not a one-way thing, like you love God and then he says thank you. No, no, he, he wants to love you in the same way. What's going on is in this commandment, God is revealing the very way in which he loves you and me, which is what? With all of his heart and with, with all of his soul and with all of his mind. Like he never stops thinking about you. So he's not just asking for us to give him something. No, he's asking us to give him ourselves, to surrender ourselves to him and to let him give himself totally to us. I would argue that you begin to love God by letting him love you. There's other ways to love God. We do serve him, we do praise him, but the foundational way in which you love God is by letting him love you. It's by trusting him and surrendering to him so that he can come in. God wants to give you everything, his entire self. So loving God doesn't look like slaving away to him necessarily. No, although we are called to serve him. No, it's, it's about letting him just be a part of our lives, to do everything with us, to do things for his glory. You can offer anything for God's glory. When you go to work, you can say, God, I want to, I want to do this to glorify you. I want to do a good job today just because I love you. I want to do it for you. You can say a little glory be as you go to work. You can say a little glory be at the end of the day. Like, everything I did today, like, God, thank you. I give you praise and glory for that. Everything can become holy. Everything can become something that we do with God. I heard a story about a priest that was on a a silent retreat. He was on an eight-day silent retreat. By the way, I'm going on retreat. Not next weekend, but the weekend after that, I'll be gone. And I'll be thinking about you from sunny Phoenix. Anyway, uh, silent retreats are great. It's a time to be with God. And this guy was on retreat. And apparently he was just like restless and like uh, sick of the food. And so he, he drove off and went to Taco Bell to get some tacos. And he came back the next day and he felt guilty about it. Like, ugh, shouldn't have done that. Should have stayed. I kind of left the retreat. And he told his spiritual director, who was a wise old priest, holy man. He's like, I went to Taco Bell. I'm really sorry. And the priest asked, well, did you go with the father? He's like, What? He's like, did you go with God the Father? Did, like, did you guys go together? He's like, no, I just, I just went and got tacos. And he's expecting the priest to be all disappointed in him because he went and got tacos. And the priest is like, why didn't you go with the Father? He's like, it wasn't about the Father. It was just I just wanted tacos. He's like, but the Father wants to be with you all the time. Like, why don't you just, why don't you go with the Father? And the priest is like, I, I just wanted tacos. But the, I mean, his director was getting into something of like, the, the point of this retreat is to be with God. You can go get tacos. That's not a problem. But do it with him. I think we all need to hear that. Loving God is about doing things with it. You can do, go, go have a job. Spend time with your family. Go on vacation. Have a hobby. Yeah, but you could do it with him. Wouldn't that be nice? What if you love God with all your hobbies and with all your time and on all the places? Again, he's not trying to take all the fun out of everything. No, he's trying to fill everything with his love and his presence. What if you always need to be loved all the time? 
while you garden, while you take a nap, while you watch TV. Like that's the way that we begin to love him with all of us is, is like really inviting him into everything. And again, he wants to fill you with love and then pour that love out. Sometimes we hear this love your neighbor as yourself and we're like, yeah, uh, yep, I'll try to do that. But what if we stopped and think about concretely, like who are the other people that you bump into in your day? You go to the post office, go to the gas station, you go to the store, you go to work. Like those are actual people with actual faces and actual lives. What if like we really actually tried to really love the people in our lives? Because I don't often, you know? If I'm in priest mode at the hospital, then I'm like, oh my gosh, doing it, trying to love this person. And then I'm at the grocery store, and I'm like, yeah, excuse me, getting popcorn. And you're like, hey, how are you? Great, how are you? Goodbye, okay, you know? Like, am I really seeing the person in front of me and, and loving them? It's like God's a matchmaker, and not just in a romantic marriage way, but he's like, oh, I want to introduce you to my son and my daughter, like all the time. He wants us to really see each other and to really love each other. And if you can't love a person, then you don't really see them yet because they're very good and they're very beautiful. Which also means that at all times, God is, is asking everybody else to love you. That's really important to him, that, that people would love you because he loves you so much. And again, he's asking you to love yourself. You should never hate anything that God loves. And oh, oh gosh, does he love you? Some of us aren't very good at loving ourselves, yeah? Some of us are kind of hard on ourselves. Please don't do that, because he doesn't do that. There is a way in which he has to love us first. And we need his love so that we can love ourselves. But do we do have to make a choice of like, okay, God, I believe that I'm good because you made me good. And so I choose to love myself, to be kind to myself, to be understanding to myself, even to find appropriate care for myself. Some of you are bad at taking care of yourselves, right? Yeah, so again, what does God want? He wants this flow of love to begin again. That he would love you and you just let him love you. And you would give him actual time in your day of like, okay, God, this is what prayer is. You plop down and you say, okay, God, love away. I just, I'll just let you love me. That's what prayer is supposed to be like. We talk to him, we share our hearts, but he just wants some time to be with you. But again, too, there's something really exciting to me about what if as a community, we left church today and then through all the week, we started looking for people to love. And the question at our, in our hearts every day is like, God, help me, to, help me to really love the people around me. I want to grow as a person who loves. In the early church, pagans would see the Christians and they were drawn because they said to each other, see how they love one another. It was magnetic. People were like sucked into Christianity because they're like, well, I want that. I want what they do. The Holy Spirit is not tired. It's not like he was energetic then and now he's tired. Jesus Christ is not tired. God the Father is not tired. No, they're inviting us into an incredible endeavor of love to love one another. Here, here we are, folks. It's just us. To love him. To let him love us. And again, to love ourselves. Yeah, so let's just ask him, like, God, flood us. Flood us with your spirit, with your love. Show us your love for us. Fill us with love for one another to be a neighbor, to be a friend, to be a spouse, renew, renew our marriages, bless and heal our families. 
Jesus, give us eyes to see everybody the way that you see them, that we would fall in love with their beauty and goodness, that people would see in our eyes your own joy and your delight in them. Pour out your love. God, fill us with love. Fill all things with your love.